The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. I make a special appeal to social media companies and media outlets. Please deal with the misinformation and disinformation that's on your shows. It has to stop. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. That was the uh, the president. He was talking about social media needing to censor information about COVID-19. We'll talk more about censorship a little bit later. I mean, just on the surface of what he said, hey, please stop putting this information out. I'm all about that. Yes. For the love of God, let's just let this be a venue, a forum for exchange and for truth. An Areopagus, if you will, in our own day. But unfortunately, you know what we've seen? <laughs> we've seen the censoring of of information. I, I, I never saw this more evident than in than during the last election. I mean, everything from, from Hunter Biden's laptop uh, to the censoring of, of conservative and even Catholic voices, uh, pro-life groups. It's, it's really amazing how much power big tech has. And uh, based on the al- algorithm that they write, it can determine whether or not, you know, your information is buried or blocked altogether. So uh, president, a little upset right now. Um, you know, he, he, he's coming out again, as I said, you know, he wants, uh, he wants the social media to do more to censor COVID information, uh, censor information about COVID, uh, that he doesn't like, uh, I don't like that, but, uh, look, we'll talk about it. I want to get into it right now. We got more coming up, uh, for you a little bit later on that issue. We'll talk to the media research council. And I'll fill you in on some censorship that's happening. And again, this is one of those things I've been telling you about, right? I've been saying, Hey, one of the things we're going to see in the not too distant future is greater censorship. We're going to see, uh, you know, a limiting and narrowing of uh, of our of religious liberties, and it doesn't happen overnight. A light switch isn't just flipped. Uh, it's incremental, and sometimes you begin to see it in small little ways, like the censoring of information. If you can justify that, then you can certainly censor out religious speech or other things you don't like, even though it is constitutionally protected. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, that was the president. If uh, I saw a story today, and I, w- I just want to start with this. I've been getting a lot of packages at my door lately, right? There's some things I needed to order and ordered them online. And I love to shop online. I, I think a lot of people after the pandemic have really said, wow, this is a very convenient way of doing it. Of course, it's making Jeff Bezos even richer, right? If you're missing an order, though, from Amazon or maybe REI or maybe even some other retailer, um, it's not just porch pirates. No, it's not porch pirates that struck your neighbor. That was a problem for a while. There might be a different reason that that item is missing. I was stunned when I heard this today. And boy, if there's an opportunity, thieves will take advantage of it. Thieves are raiding rail cars in Los Angeles. Take a listen to CBS LA. They'll fill you in on all the details. It's like a scene out of a disaster movie. Thousands of boxes littering the Union Pacific train tracks in downtown LA. But unlike in Hollywood, these aren't props. They're packages belonging to people from all over the country, from retailers like Amazon and REI. 
Thieves have been raiding the cargo containers on the trains that stop here to unload for months, leaving behind shredded boxes and things they don't want, like these home COVID tests. Sources tell me the locks Union Pacific uses are easy to cut, and LAPD says it won't respond to reports of a train robbery unless Union Pacific asks them for help, which LAPD tells us is rare. When we were out, we saw someone running off with a container used to hold smaller packages. We also saw an officer with Union Union Pacific chase after two other people who appeared to be rifling through packages. And this is video of USC campus police arresting one of the suspected thieves last month. In his car, an officer tells us this bag filled with lifted goods from the train tracks. A source tells me that these tracks right here were cleaned up just about 30 days ago. And already, as you can see, there are thousands of boxes littering these tracks. In other words, this is a very big problem. Yeah, major problem. Patrick, you saw video of, of what it looked like, right? I mean, yeah. what, how bad was it? It looked really bad. I mean, there's boxes all over the place, and it's ripe for people stealing. It looks hor- horrible and horrendous. And, I, and, you know, I feel bad for people who have lost their packages, and, and they don't even know it's lost. You know, it's like, why is it late and all yeah. that stuff? So maybe I ordered, uh, I ordered something for my refrigerator. Maybe it's there. <laughs> it never <laughs> came in. <laughs> It could be. You might be a part of that, uh, I guess, corrupted supply chain now. I, you know, when you got thieves cutting off locks on rail cars, and and what they're doing is they're they're rifling through the boxes and they just take what's valuable. I mean, well, they don't want to carry the box. They don't want all that material, so they they shred it. They leave it strewn on the ground and they walk off with the the hard drive that they want or the piece of jewelry or whatever it is that that you ordered. So it, it looks like a landfill. That's what it looks like. It that might, like you know, it's like, you know, I, we see, gosh, I don't, I always have concerns about being too surveilled, but I'm thinking some of these train cars now need to have some sort of cameras on them. You can see what the heck is going on. A- LA police told CBS that they're trying to work with Union Pacific officials and Union Pacific officials said the same thing about the police, but I don't know, whatever they're doing doesn't seem to be working. So just, I'm putting that on your radar. If you're missing your item, it's been way too long. Well, it could be floating in the Pacific somewhere, uh, you know, waiting to, to make it to port or... It could have been stolen, but I would have thought that if there was a delay, you know, one of these companies probably would have told you. But that was a pretty riveting story and a pretty powerful video. Uh, you know, I've been covering this situation of church vandalism, right? You and I have been talking about that a lot, and I think it's important to look at. And we see an increase of in that. In fact, the USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, have even reported on it. They documented how many we saw last year and what's now unfolding. Well, there was a woman caught on video vandalizing the Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Denver, and she turned herself in. Her name is Madeline Kramer. She faces two charges, one of criminal mischief, and the other is of a bias-motivated crime. Bias-motivated crime. Uh, What did she do? She spray-painted pro-abortion messages on the cathedral and some statues back in October. Uh, Pray for her. She was raised Catholic. She claims to be a Satanist. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. It, it's, it's a tragedy. She hates the church. She hates the church's stand on abortion. And uh, if you are worshiping Satan, then you are giving him legal territory. You are throwing open your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, your being uh, to his presence. And you talk to any exorcist about how dangerous that is. Um, if you have dabbled in the occult, if you have looked into Satanism or witchcraft or conjuring or spells or mediums. I, I, if you're a Catholic, I encourage you to come home to get back to confession. 
uh, where you'll find healing and you'll find liberation, freedom from those demonic spirits that may be based, you know, lingering around you, if you will. And, and it, I don't have time to get in all of it with you now, but there are lots of different levels of, you know, demonic agitation and infestation, if you will, from temptation to, you know, obsession to um, actual full-blown possession. You know, there are four or five different stages uh, that we see. But um, the beauty of our faith and the beauty of God is that he's merciful and that we have this incredibly powerful sacrament that I think Satan hates almost, well, probably more than anything else, because it it, it frees you from him. And that's that sacrament of reconciliation. Uh, maybe tomorrow. You can look around in your local community. Maybe God's speaking to you right now. Consider going to confession. Just just go back. If it might have been a long time, believe me, it's a very different experience. And Satan doesn't want you there, but God will certainly, I'm telling you, he will certainly bless you and you will get graces. Even if you're having a habitual problem, if there's something that you're dealing with over and over and over again, there's a grace that comes in the sacrament that helps you to rise above that. So I would, uh, I would encourage you to do that. Please pray for this woman. Speaking of Satanist, they're during the Chaplet of Divine Mercy yesterday. Somebody called in and was talking about uh, a Satan club in their school. Well, this morning, as I was prepping for the broadcast, the school district of Moline Coal Valley in Illinois, I just found out they've allowed the Satanic Temple to come in. Now, why would you do that? Why would you allow the Satanic Temple to come in and start an after-school Satanic Club? I mean, what good do you think can come from that? And, and guess what? This is not for teenagers. This is for kids first through fifth grade. Now, you might have a, a young grade school child. You know how innocent they are, how malleable, right? how influential they are, how, influence, you know, how easy it is to influence them. I think about when you were in first or second or third grade. There's going to be an after-school Satan club. What kind of parent would let their kid go to this thing and then pick them up? Right now, there are flyers around the school advertising the club and enticing parents to let their kids go because, well, they're going to supposedly be learning critical thinking, you know, the problem-solving, personal sovereignty. Key word there is personal sovereignty, right? That, that's what the Church of Satan loves. I'm all for critical thinking. I'm all for problem-solving. But do you need a satanic club? In order to teach kids that? I don't think so. So the school come out, and they basically answered the criticism because people were saying, what are you doing this for? They said, well, quote, I want to quote them here. They said, quote, please note that the district must provide equal access to all groups and that students need parental permission to attend the after-school event. So uh, KWQC-TV uh, looked into this. They actually did a package on it. And, uh, you know, this after-school satanic club in Illinois is an unusual defender on their uh, ability uh, to be at the school. Listen to this. Parents are wondering, what is the after-school Satan Club and why is it at this elementary school? And there has been decades now, generations of people trying to encroach religion into public schools. We simply can't allow the government to pick and choose which religions are worthy of expression and which are not. The after-school Satan Club, ran by the Satanic Temple, a religion recognized by the United States government, was formed as an alternative to after-school programs that are religion-based, such as the Good News Club, also offered at Jane Addams Elementary, ran by an organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship that says it offers an after-school program dedicated to spreading the gospel. This was a subject of tension in the early 2000s when a school called Milford Central in New York argued that the program violated its community use policy by practicing worship in its building. 
The case was taken to Supreme Court, where judges ruled in 2001 that not allowing the club to organize at the school was unconstitutional on the basis that the school is a public forum, an institution where ideas should be discussed, and restricting any program on its ideas would go against the freedom of speech. The two organizations agree on absolutely nothing else but one thing. If the space is open, it must be shared. You're open to the the after-school Satan Club program equally sharing the space. Sure. You know, this is America, and everybody has the freedom of speech. The Supreme Court ruling said that all groups have a right to equal access to the schools. Now, a new statement was given today by Moline Superintendent Dr. Rachel Savage, stating in part the facility rental for this after-school activity was not generated by the district and not affiliated with James Adams or, James Adams or the district. To illegally deny their organization subjects the district to a discrimination lawsuit. I'll tell you, no good comes from that, period. I, I've had several bishops come on the air talk about this. Bishop Proky is one of the great ones who's been out talking about how the Church of Satan really is not a religion. Um, this, is all, this is all part of, I think, a very dark and nefarious effort to indoctrinate um, your kids. Uh, parents, if you are in that area or you see any of this, do not let your kids go. And then secondly, um, wherever you're listening, I mean, we're all one family, right? Let's pray. Let's pray for the conversion of those so misguided. Let's also pray for the protection of those who may be caught up in this, this evil snare. Uh, how about some good news? Let's start with that, right? Some good news out of China. Let me leave you with this. The most populated country on the planet. Guess what they're doing? I, I, when I saw the headline, I'm thinking, what? China's closing their abortion clinics. Yeah, you heard me right. China is closing their abortion clinics after years years of having this one-child policy. I mean, there was a policy there where if a mother had another child, a third child, they'd be forcibly aborted, right? China's demographic issue right now is in such a bad way. And look, I guess officials there see what's happening. They're seeing a demographic winter, a demographic implosion. So they're now uh, in the reverse of what they once were. There, there are two too few children being born. There's actually a gender imbalance there as well. They choose male babies over females. But uh, the incentive to have more children, uh, they're trying to incentivize you know, families now. Hey, have big families, right? Uh, Russia was paying $10,000 to have women get pregnant, right? People are seeing the problems of not enough, not enough births, right? So China's reversing its policy. I saw a story in the Wall Street Journal where it said that the number of family planning centers primarily used to abort children or to sterilize women or for the insertion of like uh, you know IUDs and intrauterine devices it has dwindled across China in 2020 and um, it's good to hear um, could be too late for them I, I I don't know attitudes towards children have changed drastically amongst the populace there I mean marriage rates are plummeting the cost for having children has skyrocketed and getting all that turned around before a demographic you know winter <clears throat> sets in it might be pretty difficult. So we will certainly see what happens. That's the latest coming out of uh, out of China. I do want to talk to you about one other um, issue and something we have not talked a whole lot about ever since we saw uh, you know the the exodus out of Afghanistan. One of the primary duties of a government, of course, is to protect its citizens, right? Uh, to protect them from a foreign threat, even when they are abroad. That's why, you know, countries have embassies and, and consulates in other countries, especially in large ones like the U.S. or Russia or China. 
But what happens when a country goes into collapse or there's revolution or there is dramatic, I don't know, regime change? Well, the, the government's responsibility is to get their citizens out, right? Get them to a safer place. And that's what we were supposed to do when Afghanistan was turned back over to the Taliban, when it returned to Taliban rule. The estimates are that there could be, oh, I don't know, they, one number I saw is up to 100,000 American citizens and Afghans who are eligible for protection right, because they supported our, our military during the 20 years that we, we were over there. Uh, since September, when, when our, our humiliating and very disastrous extraction took place, uh, the U.S. government has not been very effective. Um, you know, they, they've been actually, it's been quite shameful at how, you know, getting our own citizens out. And Look, I think we did it wrong. I think we should have gotten all of our true, all of our citizens out, all those who supported us, all of our collaborators, then withdrew our forces. Right? What was the Taliban going to do? You, you saw a lot of our allies, Britain and others, doing the same thing. They went door to door, got their people out. Instead, you know, we left with our tail between our legs. It was actually quite humiliating, not just uh, you know, uh, there in, in, in Afghanistan, but on the world scene. And I, I think you know, we're seeing the flexing of some international muscles right now from some of our, our adversaries. They look at this administration like it's weak. Uh, the U.S. government has not been effective. You know, and ne never mind, never mind those who helped our military and, and, and you know, who have, you know, uh, now targets on their back. I mean, we should have really looked out for them. So what's happening is that private groups have been going in. They've been getting people out in small groups, and, and some have been working with the government. Others have been, been going in alone because the government is just too slow. You know, one leader I saw said that there are Americans saying, help me, please, please help me, help me. And the State Department saying, uh, did you fill out your form in triplicate? Uh, th this is the mess that we're having. So I just thought, look, let's put our finger on the pulse of what's going on for a quick update. Dakota Wood joins us. He is a, f uh, well, I was going to call him a former Marine, but once a Marine, always a Marine. Served a couple decades in the Marine Corps. Is now the Senior Research Fellow for Defense Programs at the Heritage Foundation. And he's the author of their annual report. And you should check this out. This is an interesting uh, read. I, it's very telling. He, they publish every year the Index of U.S. Military Strength. If you want to see how we stand, you can check that out at the Heritage Foundation. It's heritage.org. Dakota, welcome. It's good to have you back. Hey, thanks. I think it's a waste of time to have me on. I'm just agreeing with your commentary. I think you really <laughs> got, you know, made all the major points there, you know. Um, it just, uh, it's just, it's a tragic scene for the Afghans. They've got nine or ten million people on the verge of famine. Uh, starvation, and uh, and it's because you know the Taliban are, are are ruling over there, and they've got no interest in taking care of their people. So yeah, uh, you know, we're sending over aid. We're we're sending over aid now. I think I, a couple of days ago I saw a report that said we're going to be sending I think a hundred million dollars. And you know, I, in terms of aid, I don't know how significant that is for starving people. But right. I, I always worry about whether or not that money is actually going to reach the aid's going to reach those who truly need it, or whether or not the Taliban will somehow use that for their own purposes. Yeah, well, it won't reach the people, and the Taliban absolutely will uh, achieve it. You know, to put numbers in context, you know, 100 million sounds like a lot. It's actually uh, the U.S. State Department approved 300 million. Hmm. But if you recall, we were spending 40 billion with yeah. a B yeah. for combat operations for you know the many years that we were in country. Right yeah. uh, when we withdrew, uh, we uh, froze about nine billion dollars in Afghan funds that were resident in U.S. accounts, and yet now well, we've approved 300 million. So less than 1% of what we were spending on combat operations is what we're willing to now give 
to assist the Afghan people in some form or fashion. And I guarantee you most of that is going to be controlled by the Taliban, and they're not going to go hungry. You know, what, what do they care about some farmer in some outlying province, right? So yeah. the, the Taliban uh, overlords are going to keep all of that and keep their fighters uh, paid. So it's an absolutely catastrophically disastrous situation for the Afghan people. And you can only lay that at the feet of the Biden administration yeah. Yeah. Uh, who orchestrated this this uh, this debacle and the withdrawal that, that you've already mentioned. You know, the way we exited that country, and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, most people thought it was a disgrace, and it was humiliating, and it was a national, international embarrassment. Uh, do you think that Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, uh, and others right now look at this administration uh, differently than they do the Trump administration? They, they see it weaker in terms of of international response. I mean, you know, Putin's, you know, massing troops on the Ukraine border, you know, right now. And I think he's doing that, and he knows he'll be able to negotiate and possibly get something out of the, the current administration. But your thoughts on that? This is your area of expertise. How are we viewed, and how did our departure from Afghanistan now ripple out and affect our international presence? Well, perceptions are everything, you know. So if the U.S. is perceived as a strong and competent and has the political will to weigh in on issues uh, that really emphasize, you know, our values, uh, Western ideologies, Christianity, those sorts of things. You know, if, if you have a strong front, then other regimes, you know, North Korea, Iran, Russia, China, etc., uh, they really take that into account. You know, that they will withhold making some kind of uh, aggressive uh, effort. Uh, to invade another country or support terrorism, whatever it might be, because they're fairly confident that the United States will respond aggressively you know, under a Reagan or a George H.W. Bush or, or, or even a Donald Trump, you know, something along that. But when they perceive weakness, then there is opportunity, right? There's opportunity to uh, match the promises they've made to their domestic constituencies, you know, Putin uh, promising a greater Russia. You know, the right. dissolution of the Soviet Union was the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century uh, that, that he has often said. And so he wants to re-aggrandize Russia, you know, mother Russia and, and a global player. Certainly Xi Jinping in China has made promises about getting Hong Kong, which they have, bringing Taiwan back under the fold and really exerting Chinese will in the Indo-Pacific region. And so countries like this look for opportunity. They're constantly pressing, pressing, pressuring, uh, hectoring, threatening, trying to get people to, you know, give them uh, due attention and to concede uh, in, in many, many areas. And so they, they do view the Biden administration as very weak, as very unorganized and completely distracted by domestic policy, uh, policy concerns, whether it's a promulgation of uh, critical race theory or mm -hmm. uh, gender identity, uh, you know, uh, constructs, you know, these sorts of things. And so, uh, you know, the United States has receded from the world stage. We're not very influential. And so you do see, as you had mentioned, Russia uh, putting up 100,000-plus troops uh, along the border of Ukraine, uh, beefing up its uh, military presence in Belarus, uh, which borders uh, uh, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia, you know, the Baltic states, 
much more aggressive in Finland and Sweden and Norway. I mean, they really seek to disrupt uh, NATO in the European continent. And China is doing the same thing uh, vis-a-vis Taiwan, the Philippines, Vietnam, uh, you know, India even, you know, border clashes with the Indian forces. So uh, to the extent that the perception of U.S. weakness is really incorporated into the foreign policies of these other countries, we're going to see more problems. And the more problems you have, given the status of our military, which is generally kind of weak, right, mm-hmm. and distractions by the uh, the current administration in the U.S. with these domestic policies, you know, COVID and all these other sorts of things we've seen in the news, uh, the conditions will become worse in the, in the 2020s and not better. No doubt about it. Hey, what is the condition right now for those American service people, citizens, uh, those who've given us aid, um, in Afghan Afghanistan right now, I know there are there are targets on many of their backs. Some have been executed. Some are still being hunted. Um, how many are there? What do we know? And is anything being done? I know there's a lot of private institutions out trying to, to right. rescue some of these people. What, what's the latest? Because the media has totally dropped. There's just been no coverage of it at all. I'm sure the current administration is delighted by that. Um, I think it's important to talk about and keep on the forefront of, a, of our fellow Americans' minds. Yeah, I mean, more attention is paying to the dating habits of Kim Kardashian, you know, the status of the U.S. military, and and really, uh, you know, uh, world-shaking sorts of events. So, you know, know, in Afghanistan, you've got something like 150 private groups who are trying to step into the vacuum, the void created by the United States government, to rescue, as you had mentioned, upwards of 100,000 or so uh, Afghans who either assisted the United States or their minorities or their, let's say, you know, Catholics, right? Christian mm-hmm. in their right. faith that doesn't sit well with the Taliban, right? You've got a few hundred American citizens, more than that, so it's a few thousand American passport holders or special visa sorts of holders. And since the U.S. government isn't doing much, 150 plus private groups are trying to arrange. Uh, um, exit over the borders into Tajikistan and other uh, Central Asian countries are trying to get them out on various flights. One of the big problems they have is since attention has shifted to other things, the support, you know, the flow of money and those sorts of things have, have kind of dried up. So even those private groups are dealing with some struggles to try to evacuate these people. And as I said, you know, nine or 10 million Mm -hmm. Afghans are on the verge of starvation to the point where moms and dads are having to sell off some of their young daughters, you know, nine or 10 years old for future marriages, just so that they can get money to keep the rest of the family fed uh, over the winter months in Afghanistan. I mean, this is a situation that has been created by the emergency withdrawal of U.S. capabilities. Lots of debate on whether we should have stayed or gone, and, and those are valid debates, but it was the, the manner in which we left Afghanistan that has created this horrific situation. No doubt about it. Dakota, first of all, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. Always good to have you here with us. If people want to read and get up to speed, they can always go to Heritage. And, of course, the index of U.S. military strength is listed there as well. So uh, thank you for, thanks for making time thanks. for us. All right. You bet. God bless you. God bless. That's uh, Dakota Wood. And uh, check him out, heritage.org. He is the Senior Research Fellow for Defense Programs there at the Heritage Foundation. So much to talk about. Stay with me when we come back. I'll tell you a story about censorship. Today's programming is brought to you by... 
St. Gregory Recovery Center in Iowa. More information about their faith-centered addiction treatment is available at relevantradio.com slash stgregory. Joe Rogan hosts the most popular podcast in the world. But now the comedian is being called out by 270 medical experts for allegedly pushing anti-vaccine misinformation on his Spotify show. One doctor is even calling him a menace to public health. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that is a lot of doctors, right? Talking about 270 medical professionals. Are they right? You know, I was stunned when I saw Joe Rogan's um, following. Yeah, yeah I, they, there was a it was a couple days ago. I don't have it in front of me. Maybe my next guest, Dan Gaynor, will know. But um, I, I was looking at the amount of viewership, uh, listenership that he gets, uh, and it's like ten or eleven million people versus, let's say, Tucker Carlson. It's three point seven million, and you go down the list and you see the the other followings. I mean, this guy does a podcast, right? It's amazing how many people are tuned in to Joe Rogan. Uh, you know, he has been pretty bold. Uh, he went up against Sanjay Gupta and so many others uh, when it has come to COVID. And he's really built a huge following as a result of it. But um, he's uh, he's been censored uh, as well, just so you know, and a lot of people have. In fact, coming up in a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by Dan Gaynor from the Media Research uh, Center. And Patrick, you and I were just talking about this, too. There was a clip that they got censored, too, didn't they? Yes, correct. And here's a little bit about that clip. It's a little bit of of the clip that was censored and taken off YouTube. Here it is. She says that even if you're vaccinated and boosted, you should only go out and about if you're sure that everyone around you is also vaccinated and boosted because Omicron is so contagious that even vaccinated and boosted people can still get it. Wait. We are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. So when you're in a situation where you have so many infections going out, the thing that you want to say is that if you want to do things like that, better do them in a setting where you know the people around you are vaccinated and boosted. Yeah, Drew, that was from the Media Research Center. And that was uh, censored and taken off YouTube. Wow. Well, we'll be joined by Dan Gaynor. We'll get a, uh, an update from him on that. Uh, and the reason, look, th- these are just two examples. There, there's lots of censorship going on out there. I talked about it in the very beginning of the broadcast. We've seen uh, what big tech has been able to do uh, with the tweaking of their algorithms when it came to elections, when it comes to information, when it comes to pro-life groups, when it comes to anything that they either like or don't like. They can either advance it or they can mute it. And uh, that's a tremendous power. Uh, it's an unbelievable power, and I do think it had a profound impact uh, on the on the elections. Um, you, you know, we're seeing a lot more censorship. And here's the other problem, not just seeing it, but we're seeing a lot more calls for censorship. Uh, today, when I began the broadcast, I played a clip of the president who, who wants to see more of it when it comes to COVID. Uh, Joe Rogan, 270 medical professionals wrote an open letter to Spotify saying, hey, censor Joe Rogan, censor his podcast because he's giving out COVID misinformation. Rogan had Dr. Robert Malone on a show, just for a quick backstory here. And Malone, if you're not familiar with him, he's very, he's well known as somebody who has gone against the mainstream scientific thought on COVID. And that interview got booted off of YouTube. Uh, So they didn't like it, gone. Member of Congress actually entered the transcript into the congressional record so that it would not be completely censored. But it is still on uh, Spotify. 
and uh, which is why, of course, they wrote the letter. And, and yet Spotify probably won't listen to them. It, it's hard to do that when, again, Joe Rogan has, what, 10, I think 11 million people watching his podcast. 11 million. I mean, that's, un- to me, I, I, I can't tell you how stunned I am by those numbers. Those are huge, huge numbers. It's four times more than his closest competitor, four times more than Fox News' Tucker Carlson, which has a pretty big, big following. 11 million. Why? I think because he says things the way that he sees them. You might agree or disagree with him, but you know he's going to be honest in his approach and, and, and call out you know BS when he sees it, right? Or at least what he thinks is. Uh, and I think people, they just want truth. They want somebody who's going to be, speak honestly, who's going to be open, who's going to lay out the facts as they see them, respect somebody else's intelligence, let them make the decision. Uh, the doctors here with, with Rogan, they're not alone in their call for censorship. They, they have none other than the president of the United States on, on their side. He gave a speech yesterday, and, and he says, look, I just make a special appeal to social media companies and the media outlets. Please deal with the misinformation. Please deal with the disinformation that's on your shows. It has to stop. It has to stop. That was the president you know, making that plea to big tech, to social media companies. So dealing with it, of course, how, how do you deal with it? I mean, if you say, okay, yes, yes, sir, Mr. President, it means censorship. That's what he's asking for. That's what he wants. He wants censorship. The Media Research Center, as you heard Patrick play that audio, they had firsthand experience with this after they posted a video that was critical of Dr. Fauci, who, who said, look, those who are vaccinated and boosted should only go out if they're sure that everyone around you is vaccinated and boosted because Omicron is so contagious that even vaccinated and boosted people can still get it. Okay, that's what Fauci, that's what Dr. Anthony Fauci said. Right, so does that confuse you? It confused MRC. YouTube booted them off for a week because they put up a video that criticized Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, Look, we're a better country. We're a stronger nation when we have the ability to exchange thought and ideas, to challenge premises, right? Not to mute them, not to censor them. This is not a totalitarian society. I don't want to live in one of those. I want to live in the United States of America. I want the freedoms that our founding fathers framed for you and for me. I'm joined today by Dan Gaynor, Vice President of the Media Research Center's Free Speech America. He's here to fill us in on some details. Good to have you back, Dan. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. You just said something I'm not 100% sure I agree with. What's that? You said we're not a totalitarian society. <laughs> and and I'm I mean I I would love to be able to say yes you're 100 percent right the president of the United States is trying to bully the most powerful companies in human history yeah. into censoring free speech it's crazy. and they're they're gung ho to do it and they already have as you you know I appreciate you playing our our video there uh, you know that's Brittany Hughes uh, one of our one of our staffers and you know. She didn't say anything wrong. She just said stuff that they don't like. They don't like it when you call out Anthony Fauci for being, let's face it, he's a liar. Right. I, you know, maybe anytime anybody goes into politics, that's what they kind of become a little bit. You can catch them in lies. He's not supposed to be a politician. He's supposed to be a medical authority. Yet when he told us about masks and, oh, you know, don't use masks, and it turns out you know, they all lied to us because they just didn't want to see use up all the mask supply. When he talks about herd right. immunity, and then even the New York Times admits, oh, he moved the goalposts. Yeah, that's known also as lying. 
you know, it's like, oh, I said it had to be this, but it really needs to be this now. And so here we are at a point where everything they've done, it's failed. You know, we've, we've, we've still got a couple thousand people dying, apparently, uh, you know, according to the statistics, dying of COVID every day. We had 889,000 new cases yesterday. And the only reason they've stopped worrying so much about new cases, because the new cases started to make the president of the United States look bad. So we all said new cases are a bogus measure back during the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. Because you can get a case of something, and if you've got a, a case that's bad, that's important. If you've got a case that's mild, well, you know, who cares? But if you go to the hospital or if you, you know, get seriously ill or you pass away from it, as people I know have, so I'm certainly not, you know, any sort of denier of COVID, uh, you know, then that's horrible. That's what we should be focused on. But the president of the United States, uh, back when he was running for election, said, hey, if um, – 200,000 people die under your watch. Yeah. 200,000. That you're not you shouldn't be president of the United States. And we've more than doubled that. We're like I said, we're we're on a pace now to just keep on going. And the media don't like having it pointed out that all the stuff they told us to do, lockdowns right. that yeah. destroyed businesses and wrecked the middle class of America. Uh you know, locking people in their homes. In, you know, wear two masks. Wear three. Wear thirty-seven masks. Uh, you know, uh, the vaccine that they said, oh, the vaccine will stop the virus. If you get the va- if you get the vaccine, the virus will stop with you. Well, no, right. it turns That's out true. it doesn't. Right. And we no. can't talk about the other point, which is the point that they refused to discuss and they outright denied for a year, which is apparently the origin of the virus is a bio lab in China. And maybe that's why it's acting so strange and being so difficult to defeat. Yeah, that's a good point. My guest today, Dan Gaynor, he's Vice President of Media Research Centers, Free Speech America. And if you want to join us, number here, 888 We're taking a look at censorship today, what's happening. And a lot of the misinformation that we've been fed, and I thought you laid that out pretty eloquently. I mean, you do see the, the cases for masks, for multiple masks, for vaccinations. If you're vaccinated, the pandemic will end. We see how contagious Omicron is, how it's evading. It raises questions about the origins of this and the uh, you know the nature of, of this particular variant. And who knows what we're going to see coming up ahead. Uh, but you do have medical... Um, professionals dan you got doctors who wrote an open letter 270 of them so it's not one two three or four there's a lot of i, I had a conversation yesterday on the air and both a physician and a, and a nurse called in and and um, you know they're all for the vaccination they're all for these types of approaches um the doctors who who wrote to spotify over over uh, joe rogan they said, by allowing the propagation of false and societally harmful assertions, Spotify is enabling its hosted media to damage public trust in scientific research and so doubt in the credibility of data-driven guidance offered by medical professionals, end of quote. Um, that almost sounds like they're upset that people are calling their judgments into question and that they have the final say on questions. But you've got a large body of these people doing this. How, how do you read that? How do you interpret that? I mean, there are medical professionals who say, hey, this is bad information. You shouldn't be putting it out. And yet you can also look at it the other way. Well, you can say that people are saying it's bad information shouldn't be put out. Uh, you know, they have every right to do that. The problem with it, that's not how science works. 
when you know you post a, you know the whole scientific method that by the way big tech uh the medical community and the government have thrown out the window the scientific method is you come out with a hypothesis you come out with an argument uh, you know a research or whatever and other people get to poke holes in it so if you say uh that you know this vaccine is wonderful which by the way I've got the vaccine I've been boosted so mm-hmm. don't don't give me you know grief about that if you say the vaccine is wonderful and it will stop the virus with you, and then you tell me, right, you turn around and say, oh, by the way, you've got to be masked if you got the vaccine because either you can get the virus from other people or you can give it to other people. Well, then one of those things is not accurate, and I have every right to point this out. Right. If you tell me information that is pro- provably false and even more you know, the authorities who tell me stuff, turns out they're not trustworthy either. So let's go back to the end of 2020. And I'm going to cite not Alex Berenson, who used to work at the New York Times. I'm going to cite the New York Times. New York Times told us at the end of 2020 that the World Health Organization, this fabulous organization they were supposed to trust, had actually lied about borders and it said that instead of having open borders, you know, a medical or a scientific reason for open borders, uh, there isn't one. Right. Flat out, there isn't. It was all political opinion. So, of course, that story died on the vine because, it's you know, they, nobody wants to talk about that. But that's the problem. All these things keep, you know, the reason why everything is muddled and the reason why people don't trust the science, to use the lefty term, mm-hmm. is because, of course, the science hasn't been trustworthy. The people right. haven't been trustworthy. I can go back to the beginning of March 2020 and watch Sanjay Gupta on a CNN town hall tell me wearing masks is dangerous. And then turn around a couple, you know, a couple weeks later, like, you got to wear masks. Like, huh? Yeah. You know, and and they, they, they act like we can't do this. See that that's the that's the 1984 portion of the program. They act like we can't go back in history and pull video and cite quotes and say you said this, you say this now, you know, and you're not being honest about like, hey, look, we were wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I mean, yeah. that's yeah. that's the problem. Well, my guest today, Dan Gainer. Dane, hold the thought. I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll grab a couple calls. I only have Mr. Gainer for a few minutes. So if you want to get in. You can dial in right now, 888-914-9149. Taking a look at social media censorship, we're seeing it in a big-time way right now when it comes to COVID and those who have differing views. We've seen it in the world of politics. I think there's more of it looming in the future. How do we resolve that? We'll be back with more conversation right after this. Get informed and get connected. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, thanks for joining me. Yeah, getting you plugged in. Just taking a look at what is currently unfolding in terms of uh, what seems like increased censorship. If you're just joining me, there was a group of people who referred to themselves as the Coalition of Scientists and Medical Professionals and Professors and Science Communicators, and they span a wide range of different fields. Uh, Everything from microbiology to immunology to epidemiology to neuroscience. And they wrote an open letter to the podcast uh, company Spotify, right? You probably may even use Spotify pretty regularly. And they demand that they censor Joe Rogan. He's a podcaster because of information he's putting out about uh, COVID vaccines. And uh, this is not only, they say, a scientific or medical concern. 
but it's a sociological issue of devastating proportions, and Spotify, they say, is responsible for allowing this activity to thrive on their platform. Uh, Dan Gaynor, who's a vice president of the Media Research Center's Free Speech America, uh, he is joining me today. A uh, couple weeks ago, they shared a video breaking down uh, Omicron, and talk, you know, the Omicron talking points of Dr. Fauci had put forward and pointing out a, kind of a weird message that uh, Dr. Fauci told those who are vaccinated and boosted, don't go out, only go out if, if you're sure that everyone around you is vaccinated and boosted because Omicron's so contagious that even vaccinated and boosted people can get it. And I think there, there's a truth in that. I, I mean, we've seen, I can't tell you how many people I know who have been vaccinated and have gotten Omicron. That's true, but apparently, light criticism of that statement was enough to get MRC TV's channel suspended for from YouTube. It violated, I guess, their community guidelines. They were also censored from TikTok for a video on the subject of of uh, the Omicron variant and, and, and the public response. So this is problematic. You know, when you've got big tech deciding they don't like your message and therefore they shut you off. Uh, Dan, it's good to have you back. I appreciate what you do. There's a lot of other cases we can get into. I know we have a few moments. Let's jump into the phones. A number of people want to talk to you. And Joanna is one of those. She's in Highland, New York. Joanna, hi. You're on the air with Dan Gaynor. Hi, Drew. Uh, thanks Hi. for taking my call. I just wanted, I have a quick question. Um, I really feel going through this whole pandemic that the the whole situation has kind of been, to me, sort of fluid. It changes. They, they notice this. They find out this. And they change the information. My question is, mm-hmm. if all of this is being censored, um, where do you find the facts? How do you find the the real facts so you can make, you know, decisions on what you're going to do and how you're going to go about during a pandemic? No, well, Joanna, first, two things, uh, and that's a great point. And, Dan, let's talk about this. One, you know, as, as we were talking a little bit earlier, I almost want to give, Dan, um, the Biden administration, the Trump administration, Fauci, some of the scientists, a break because when when COVID nineteen first hit, it was very fluid. We didn't know a whole lot about it. Information changed, so you can give them a break on that. And and you know uh, we're constantly learning. Things are changing. That six feet distancing was an arbitrary number that was made up. I mean, there's a lot of these things. Double masking was not necessarily a good idea. Omicron, uh, the, the cloth masks are totally ineffectual against. So I mean, there's a lots of very different information that's coming out. So l- let's address that. And and then to her point, which I think is a really good one. What are good sources for clear, concise information? How do you discern those? Well, I mean, I, I mean theoretically, CDC is, uh, a, you know, good, I mean, I guess a, a better source. But the problem is, as you were saying, this has changed a lot. And the biggest problem that medical communities have is it's been dishonest. And dishonest in that saying, like, look, this is a rapidly moving thing. We're going to keep changing things on you. Instead, you know, they are used as a club against anybody who wants to discuss it. And if you dare disagree, you're silenced. And then months later, you find out, well, actually, you were right. Uh, you know, and the people, the people were talking about the Wuhan lab leak. Uh, they were censored and silenced for close to a year on social media. And then, oh, yeah, basically, it's widely considered to be the, the likely solution or you know, reason for Source, yeah. the, the problem. And so, uh, you know, the people who are censoring don't have all the answers because that's not how science ever works. Science is not, you know, this is the answer and we, it will be the answer for all time. It's 
Oh, this is medicine. Hey, we found out this answer, or it turns out this is a better answer. And, you know, so cloth masks, for instance, cloth masks are basically like wearing toilet paper on your face. It's, you know, yeah, useless right. right now. Right. And right. and yet you can turn on network news and see lots of people, you know, at sporting events and all sorts of things who are doing this. And and there's no, no discussion about it. Uh, you know, and yeah. weight, apparently one of the big problems for, and we're certainly a society where a lot of people are heavy, including myself. Uh, apparently being heavy is one of the comorbidities. Mm-hmm. But there's absolutely no talk about that in the media because that's not politically correct to talk about people being hmm. overweight. Let's do this. We have a minute or two left. We'll grab another call or two. 888 Mike in Chicago. Thanks for waiting. Hey, Drew. Great show. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. <clears throat> you know, the, the problem I see here is medicine has become politicized. Medicine has become politicized, and that is insanity. So I think what has to happen is, although, sadly, I think we have a tale of two countries here. We really do. But people have to say enough is enough. Just stop. Stop complying with all this garbage. I mean, the bottom line is, if somebody told you, okay, you got to take three polio shots, but there's a chance you'll still get polio, would you do that? And the other thing is, stop calling this a vaccine. It's not a vaccine. It's like a flu shot, which only works 50% of the, or 60% of the time anyway. So let's call it what it is. Two things. This has become politicized. Medicine has become politicized. Nobody trusts doctors anymore. I know I don't. And, and nobody trusts the media. And you've got this woke, political correct side of the country mm-hmm. that's taken the rest of us down. Somebody has to say stop the insanity because this is literally insanity. They keep pushing the same button expecting different results. Yeah. It's nuts. Mike, thanks. Let me let uh, Dan respond to you there. Uh, well, I mean, I, there was, he said a lot of great stuff there. And remember, a lot of doctors were coming out during the the you know the peak of the pandemic in 2020 and saying, "Oh, well, you you really can't go out of your house and don't do anything." But unless, of course, you're going out for a Black Lives Matter event, yeah. and then that's yeah, okay. That's so you know that's because that's social justice. And so, yes, the medical community, the scientific community, have undermined support for medical community and the scientific community, just as the media has undermined support for the media. It's a shame, though, because it used to be you'd look at a doctor and you would respect what he had to say. You'd follow his advice. But to, to Mike's point, I, was, I heard somebody else commenting on this the other day, and it kind of resonated with me. It's a shame that that institution has lost a certain degree of credibility. I, I think the media has shot themselves in the foot. They certainly have lost their own credibility by so, the way they've comported themselves. But the medical community, I hope we get that hope we get that back again. There's just a lot of confusion out there. Dan, I only have less than a minute to go. I want to give you final thoughts, and, and what's a good way to follow you or get connected to the stuff you're well, reporting pe- on? People, sh- people should go to Newsbusters, the free speech tab on Newsbusters. If you've been censored or your organization has been, go to censortrack.org, C-E-N-S-O-R-T-R-A-C-K. Org. There's a, a piece at the bottom. You can fill out a form, send us images of what happened, and you know, inform us. Uh, big, it's a big problem. Ultimately, we're dependent on the information we get. If, the, if big tech can silence information yeah. and censor online, the concept of free speech, the concept yeah. of free elections, it's all out the window. So that's why we have to fix it. You got it. The president today calling on big tech companies and social media to do more, to to censor. Uh, Dan, thank you. We'll catch up again. Always appreciate you making time for us. Thanks, man. Take care. Have a great one. That's Dan Gaynor. And uh, I'll take a short pause here. When we come back, 
Uh, we'll pray the chapel to divine mercy. If you want to join me, feel free to dial in. It's 888 Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for an end to COVID. Let's pray for unity. Wouldn't that be great? We'll do that when I return.